0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Sculpture Life podcast. I am your host, Stephanie Katona, health and wellness coach and the founder of Sculpture Life, an all-encompassing holistic coaching platform dedicated to sculpting you from the inside out. This podcast features experts, authors, and thought leaders ranging from all things lifestyle related, health and wellness, relationships, and business to provide you with valuable and practical takeaways that you can implement into your own life. So let's dive into it. Welcome back to the Sculpture Life podcast. In today's episode... I will be joined by Mark Guay, transformational coach and speaker to talk all about the struggles that high-performing men face and how to overcome them. And for the same reason that high performers excel at their jobs, they are also more susceptible to struggles with their mental health. Mark has dedicated his career to coaching leaders to step into their power and will share his knowledge and shed light on the specific issues and blocks that these individuals face and how to work through them. So, before we get started, guys, I want to give you some background on Mark. Mark is a transformational coach, speaker, and full time dad who lives in San Diego, California. He believes in the untethered ability to manifest our unlimited potential and works with leaders who bring their greatest gifts to the world in a way that aligns mind, body, and soul. His talks and courses have reached over 1 million people worldwide previous executive clients include General Electric, Slack, Etsy, and JP Morgan. And when he's not coaching, you can often find him upside down in a handstand. It is (laughs) my pleasure to welcome Mark Gway onto the Sculpture Life podcast. Hello. Thanks,
1: Thanks, Stephanie. It's so great to be here today. I I do need to do my handstands today. So thank you for the reminder.
0: Do you do... uh, Are you into gymnastics? Is this something that you... Is this is part of your fitness routine?
1: Like <laughs> it's, it's part of my fitness routine. I like to, you know, like you, I, I like to work on uh, different aspects of physical fitness. In fact, behind this camera, you'll see pull-up bars and trampoline and some kettlebells and uh, handstands are just something I'm just so interested in. I like being upside down. I like the feeling of the inversion. I like the fact that the more arterial blood we get to the brain as we get older, the, you know, the better our brain health is. And it's just a fun little game to play. And I like balancing out my hands. And over the last decade, I've gotten pretty good at it.
0: Can you hold how long can you hold your handstands for now?
1: You know, I've never timed myself, but uh definitely a minute, maybe two.
0: That's actually pretty good.
1: I think so. Yeah, for that's me. really
0: good. I, I used to do I started getting back into doing them. I, I used to do gymnastics back in the day. And it's been uh it's taking me some time to get back back up to holding it for at least 30 seconds to a minute, but that's pretty impressive.
1: Thank you. Yeah, my my <laughs> the people that i know that are in cirque du soleil they make me look you know like i'm an amateur which i am and so i'm very impressed by the people that can do that and then you know everything else that they do in cirque du soleil it's incredible
0: cirque du soleil is honestly something else it's mm-hmm. incredible well thank you so much for joining me i'm actually really excited to have you on like i said you're actually my first male guest um so that's a fun fact and you know i'm actually i think this topic I'm sure will be of interest to a lot of the listeners and you know I've coached actually a lot of high performing men throughout my career my coaching career and so I'm curious and interested in knowing more about this subject um and now that I'm going into the corporate wellness space too I'm sure this will this will come up so yeah I'm excited to have you on and for you to share your knowledge on this topic so my first question is can you can you tell us a little bit about your work and what inspired you to become a transformational coach and guide other leaders on their journey.
1: Sure, oh, that's a big question. Uh, feel free to to you know chisel it down with me, but in short, you know, I started working with leaders uh, at different companies, uh, and I really enjoy working with high performers. When I first started coaching, I was actually a USA Triathlon coach, and right. in my twenties, I was a competitive triathlete and i qualified for team usa i had you know ambitions to uh, compete in the olympics and i started coaching down in new york city at a place called chelsea piers and i was working with vps uh, ceos at major companies like pfizer johnson and johnson mm-hmm. but i was doing it as a triathlon coach and i was meeting them at you know 4:30 in the morning in the pool to put in the workout before they went into their into their their jobs and i got to meet them and and learn from them uh, during this experience and i was really in awe at how they crafted their life how they designed their life and how they really were just so motivated to do really well and they were just incredible people and over the years i started asking deeper questions in my own life about purpose about impact. Mm -hmm. And like you, I ran a podcast interviewing social entrepreneurs around the world trying to get a sense of where I really wanted to place my impact in the world. And those two worlds came together where I believe in transformation. I think uh, our culture does a really good job of preparing children, but we don't do a very good job of helping adults mature and really step into their power. And what I noticed with working, building relationships with high powered men in particular is they felt really stuck. They felt like they had achieved all the things that society said that they, you know, that they should do, that are successful. They had the money, they had the prestige, mm-hmm. but there was a deep sense of uh there's a deep longing for something more meaningful. Mm-hmm. And that. that and that curiosity led me to become a transformational coach and really help them step fully into their power. And what I like to say is helping them move from internal awareness to external action because We'll talk more about this, but when there's misalignment between your inner world and your external world, that can be extremely uh, difficult to navigate.
0: And when you're saying, so you're saying misalignment as in they would be, or just not, not fulfilled, like not in the right relationships or not just doing what they feel that they should be doing. And there's a major misalignment there aside from their career.
1: Yeah. Misalignment between their core values of how they really want to live their life, how they want to act at their work and uh, more so, uh, feeling the pressure of having to put on a mask and play a certain role, whether it's people mm-hmm. pleaser or, or Mr. Nice Guy, mm-hmm. or someone who works all the time, mm-hmm. and instead they want to actually take care of their physical and mental health a little bit more.
0: Mm-hmm. I think. I mean, I think core values is so huge. I'm I'm learning a lot about that in this course that I'm taking. Is just being in alignment with your core values because that's everything if you're not or not if you're not even aware of your core values or your why, I think that can be that can cause a lot of issues too and misalignment in terms of you know where you are and where you're going right
1: yeah well let me let me make this a little bit tighter because mm-hmm. the, the, what I've come to understand is that two things need to happen and these things they take time to happen but what needs to happen for one to feel like there's alignment for them to feel grounded in a sense of deep purpose is there needs to be, an understanding of who you are, and there needs to be an acceptance of of who you really are by a group of people. And, And oftentimes what ends up happening is people don't necessarily know who they are, or they find out a little bit more later on in life, and they're stuck in these patterns that they have to continue to play a role. And so those two things are really key, coming to a deep understanding of who I am, how I navigate in this world, and being accepted by a group of people those two things to come into union is a really powerful transformational process
0: that's a very deep question who who am I this is one that I've been trying to unravel for for the last couple of years is just really getting to the core of and and not just the role yeah. that you play at work or the persona that you have and it's just it's it's a very interesting question to ponder
1: well it is it's a great question you know? and it's not as esoteric as I used to think now right. there's there's maps that I've been taught that I've used in my coaching practice that are really powerful, that help one really come to an understanding of who they are. And to be clear, that is an infinite game question, the who am I question. There's always an unfurling as to an understanding of who I am and how I navigate in this world. But there are there is actually a map. I'm happy to talk about it. Mm-hmm. I just want to make sure I'm going.
0: Through, <laughs> yeah, no, that, was, so that, that answered my question really well. Yeah. Thank you. Um, my next question is, what makes someone a high performer, and what are what are the common struggles that they face, or that you've seen in your coaching practice that these people bump up against?
1: Yeah, so typically when it comes to high performance, it has to do with excelling in in their career. That's that's mm-hmm. typically how uh, I tend to define it. They do a lot. They have a lot of accolades to define uh, all the successes that they've had in their life. Whether it's a gold medal at a triathlete, you know, at a tra- uh, at a triathlon, rather. Uh, or it's the Porsche, or it's the mm-hmm. the sea the level job. All of those things signal that this person has done a tremendous amount.
0: And then, and the struggles that they face is like you kind of mentioned that in the first question is often a, they equate their sense of, I guess, self worth and identity with achievements versus actually understanding the core of who they are
1: yeah that's that's the initial part you know oftentimes Mm -hmm. my understanding with men in particular is that this is a provider role that they are set out to play and it's a great role there's nothing wrong with it actually there's a lot of beauty in that but what ends up happening is they get to a place in their career typically around 35 if not up to 55 honestly where Mm -hmm. all of a sudden they go wait a minute this isn't working anymore Mm -hmm. they've 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 rang the bell they've they've gotten all the accolades of Mm -hmm. of of what it means to be successful but there's something missing and that sense of understanding who i am as you mentioned is a pretty mercurial path to to navigate particularly when you're supposed to have it all together and one thing i want to share Mm -hmm. one of the main constraints is time there's not so much time built into the schedule of these high performers to discover Who am I? So one of the, like, oftentimes what I'll have someone do is go on a wander and take a a direction of the self. And I could talk about what that means, but go out and wander with that facet of self. Let's say, for instance, the South would be your wild indigenous one, and that would be the wild man. And so I would ask a man to go spend an hour, if not more, and go find wild land to wander on, and mm-hmm. really drop into what it means to be fully emotionally embodied, to be a wild animal, and feel that sense of wholeness. Uh, but that's really hard for a lot of high performers because an hour saying, "Hey, go find an hour on your time," that that's that's difficult. I just got off a call with a client right before this, and you know they're working; uh, he's working nine or fourteen-hour days.
0: Yeah, it's like, where do you find the time, right?
1: It's difficult. And when you're in that type of position, you've superheroed for a very long time. You have a lot of people that are dependent on you. So to keep those gears working, it takes it takes a lot to be able to build up a system. You know, This is why Tim Ferriss was so popular to where you outsource so many things that you have, you buy your time back. But then there's the difficulty of once you buy your time back, it's doing the deep inner work. And the deep inner work can be really challenging if you don't have a support system or you don't have a map to help you with it.
0: Yeah, and I mean, there's these high performers, like they're probably, and they have to work on the other pillars of health too, physical, you know, so it's like making time for all of these, like taking, yeah, taking an hour out of their time to just like, Connect with self could be a big ask, but I mean, so has it been? So that's my net. This is going to tie into my next question. So, how do you work with your clients to overcome these struggles? Like, what's your approach? Um, say you have someone that's yeah. you know, disconnected, and you they they're not they they've lost all, all they're they're feeling isolated. They don't have any joy. Like, what's the the process that you take them through?
1: Yeah, absolutely, great question. So I'll I'll start off with the four directions since. Mm-hmm. I think that would resonate a lot with your audience as well. So uh, this is based off of Dr. Bill Plotkin's research, but there's four directions to wholeness, right? There's the North, South, East, and West, and the North is the nurturing leader within. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: That's the nurturing presence that helps you grow, helps you uh, uh, be prosperous, is very self-loving, very kind in, in speech, but also very generative, really helps one grow in their life, right? And this is internal and external. So that's the North, that would be the nurturing generative adult. The South, which is the opposite, is more of the animalistic part of the self, which is the the wild part of the self, the part that is, you know, embraces sensuality, embraces sexuality, embraces the the totality of human uh, emotional embodiment. And that's often that, that's something that a lot of men really struggle with is actually embodying emotions, truly feeling them because it's not taught in our culture, you know, 99% of the time.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So the South is the wild indigenous part. It's the part that feels connected to nature. It feels connected to the human animal experience. And those two balance each other, the North and the South. Okay.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: then you have the East and the West. And the East is the really innocent, sage kind of part. It's the part that's really pos- really popular now with the mindfulness world. That's why meditation is so powerful. And the ease takes you into that wisdom that we see with toddlers. I have a two-year-old and we look at children and they're so innocent. Everything is, they're, they're grateful for everything. There is this sense of awe with everything. It's this, oh my gosh,
2: mm-hmm. this
1: is an amazing place. Like my son will look at a rock. We literally were just outside and he's looking at this rock and he goes, rock. And it's like yeah. this magical thing. As adults, we sort of lose that sense of innocence So reclaiming that sense of innocence is really important because it makes us feel more connected to everything. That's why in mindfulness, we call that the interconnectedness interconnectedness, or we call it oneness, right?
0: Mm -hmm. You still with me? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I understand. Yeah. It makes, yeah, yeah. It all makes sense. It's really, that's a really interesting, I don't, I've never heard of this approach. I mean, it's, is this, did you come up with this approach or this is actually like a...
1: No, I mean, I've come up with my own things, but I, I, my first career was in education. And so I, I really like to look at the research and take a look at it and then practice it myself. And so this has been so far the most powerful practice uh, or, or map that I have ever come across And this is after many years of studying Piaget and Vygotsky and Robert Keegan. Mm -hmm. Uh, Bill Plotkin's work, I think, is really popular. But there's one more I want to make sure that that we talk about because that one is often completely avoided, and that's the West. And the West is is your guide to your true essence, Mm -hmm. and it's the mythopoetic part. It's the part that has completely been castrated. From our culture, it's the part that is fascinated with dreams that actually takes a look at the imagination as a source of inspiration. Right. It's the muse, you know. If you know Pressfield's work with uh, the War of Art, he often talks about the muse whispering in his ears. Well, if you look back in, you know, in culture or ancient cultures, or even with the Romantics um, like William Wordsworth, you hear them talk about they're they're just they're just a channel. They're listening to what the angels have to say, and they're you know, and they're sharing their inspiration that's the West. It's it's dark, you're in the dirt, you're curious about death. Like it's it's kind of Edgar Allan poe in a way, but that's a part of the self as well that often gets completely neglected because it's scary. It's really terrifying.
0: I feel like I actually, do you find like some individuals, do you notice some are more, okay, so say there are these four parts, do you find that some are more comfortable in certain parts, but not as tapped into other ones? You know, like for oh, me, yeah, I, I feel like the the West, actually, I'm really fascinated by all of that, like death, dreams, like yep. spirituality, imagination. Like that's actually my comfort, like where I'm comfortable, emotional, maybe the South. emotional self. I don't know. I, we don't need to go into detail about me, but I'm just saying like, you notice some people are more comfortable in, in certain areas and then you have to maybe like shift, like shift it around or get them to understand different parts like, is that a whole thing?
1: Absolutely. Well, first okay. of all, I'm more than happy to dive into your story <laughs> and share mine too, because it's through the stories that we actually understand the concepts more. Yeah. Because I want to okay. be careful for your audience as well and, and say to them, this is all very cerebral. This is all very heady. Right. And it's great. And you could read as many books as you want, but it's... get. And this is what I say to my clients, you can understand the concept, but get your butt out there and actually do the work. And that's where the learnings really happen. And it, it's a dance. You know, yeah. So yes, yes, yes. To your <laughs> we, your
2: question.
0: We can't just stop at awareness. I recognize that with a lot of this work, it's just having awareness and understanding concepts and reading and in intellectualizing it all, but actually doing the work and you know getting into the body and putting in practices and rituals in place is so key. Like you were saying, it's just actually putting in the work to make these changes.
1: Yeah, can I give you a real world example to make this yes. really grounded? Because this yes. can get cerebral. So yes to your question of mm-hmm. do certain people are they sort of lacking in a in a direction one hundred percent? And that's why mm-hmm. I love this map because if I see that someone is really powerful in their west, then I know that a lot of the coaching work is going to be focusing in on the east because they actually balance each other. That's what I love about this approach.
2: Mm-hmm. It's very simple
1: once you actually understand the map. It's all about complementing one direction with the other. So if someone's really stuck in their emotion and they just can't get out, really depressed state, it's how do they release that energy that's the stuck emotion and then actually be really loving and kind to themselves. So that's the North. Because oftentimes when someone's in that depressed state, it's it's also coupled with a really harsh inner critic that is beating themselves up, which is really difficult to navigate by yourself because you're stuck in that mental loop. And so having working with a coach to really um, you know expand beyond that, is really powerful. So let me give you one 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 powerful example. I was working with a leader in New York uh, who runs a pretty big nonprofit, and uh, he was feeling a tremendous amount of frustration with his uh, co-founders, which is something we see all the time. Uh, a lot of times with leaders, they're really good at uh, being nurturing and loving and candid with their team. And by that I mean their direct reports. But when it comes to managing laterally. Mm. So peer-to-peer or when it comes to managing up, it's pretty difficult. And so with this man in particular, something that I see often is this Mr. Nice Guy kind of syndrome. It's the, I don't want to ruffle feathers. I don't really want want to, I want to go with the flow. I want this to be easy, but he's frustrated. It's just, he's not being heard. He's seeing the company go a certain way and it's frustrating and he doesn't know how to show up without stuffing it in and being quiet. And so he ends up being quiet, and then what ends up happening is he ends up being explosive. So it's quiet, 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 explosive, and that's conflict, and then that's not good. What? So what, what this man did is he then, I gave him an exercise called the wild man, and I said, go out in wild land, and... Tune into your sense of what the wild man is, and go for a wander, and allow yourself to fully fuse with this one dimension of self, to fully fuse with the wild man, and allow yourself to walk throughout the land. Go to a place where you feel completely safe, and allow yourself to breathe, and act, and scream, and howl, and pound, and dance, and whatever you know feels right, and really honor that anger and that frustration that you're feeling. So, so quite literally, this is. Why I love this work that I'm doing, because it sounds crazy, as it is in a way. It's crazy to our Western paradigm. But this man went out into the woods. He worked with that anger, that frustration that he had. It brought him back to these times in his life when he uh, knew that as a kid, he had to be quiet. He didn't want to ruffle the feathers in his family dynamic. And what he was able to do was come into a relationship with that little boy in him that was really scared to upset the family dynamic. Mm -hmm. And then he was able to work with that. And then he was able to eventually show up to his partners, his co-founders, with a grounded sense of calm and ease and honor what it is that he was feeling without being reactive. So he was able to say the things that he needed to say without being explosive, without being reactive. And he was able to breathe. He was able to be embodied. He was able to stay in the present and articulate with love and compassion what he needed where he wanted to go. Wow!
0: That's, without
1: equivocating, which is a big—that's big huge for a lot
0: of men. Yeah, that's really powerful. I like that example of yeah, like actually like going out into the woods and like just. I think a lot of the times with emotions, like they—I mean—emotions get stuck, and then we don't know how to process them. But actually, getting embodied and like really like breathing through it and feeling it and just releasing it is so important. And a lot of us just get stuck. And I had, that was, a, I mean, I'm working, this is a thing I'm still working through. And I'm very open on my podcast about, you know, stuff that I work through, like, just like, sometimes my emotions get stuck and then I'm, I get disembodied. And then that thing, the reactivity happens to me. Like I know that about myself. And so this has been an ongoing process for me too. Great.
1: Can I ask you a question about that? Sure. And and Stephanie, I know we're just getting to know each other here. So I appreciate you just allowing me on your show and asking mm-hmm. questions. If anything I ask is too personal to say,
0: no, no. No, I'm you. an open book. And I think for my podcast, I like to be as vulnerable and open as, as much as I can, because I think it can be relatable for people and also just the who I am. So ask away.
1: So I'm I'm curious about when it comes to physical fitness. And I know that you're you're moving into the corporate wellness space. Mm-hmm. And something that I often see in the physical fitness world is we use and I used to do this as well until I was shown by a dear friend of mine to to change this 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 to change the, the my perspective but we use working out as a way to disassociate we yes. use working out as a way yes. to, to not pay attention to what we what we need to pay attention to and one simple reframe that has very been been very powerful for me and I'm curious for you as well mm-hmm. is actually slowing down with the workout. And allowing the workout to be an opportunity to feel more deeply and to honor what it is that I am feeling in the moment as opposed to numb out, check out, listen to music and just ignore it for an hour or hour. totally
0: nailed it. Honestly, I was literally reflecting on just my whole my journey in my twenties from like 22 till now, like, I'm just thinking, I was thinking back to, you know, all the triathlons that I was training for the half marathons, like pushing my body to the extreme, but I was so disembodied like all the time. Like, and you'd think that actually physical workout is a way to get more into your body. But for me, it was a way to actually like check out. And so it's been a, this has been an ongoing thing for me. I think it's been something since childhood where I just, check out of my body. And, um, it's just interesting being in a space where you're actually, you feel like you're supposed to be embodied. And so I tried things like yoga, yoga, definitely yoga and just like slowing it down. And I was like, "Oh, this is really uncomfortable. Like a lot of (laughs) things are coming up, you know? So yes, it's, it's really, it's really interesting that you bring that up. I think that's totally a thing. And you think a lot of people do that with physical fitness?
1: That's a, that's a curiosity for me lately. Cause I know I used to do that and, and sometimes I still will. And that's a, that's a current practice of mine is when I go and I work out and I can get a little more detailed about that mm-hmm. is I try to make sure what am I, what am I doing here? You know, I've, I've like you, I've, I've gotten to a place in my life where I've had incredible physical fitness. And then I've also gotten to a place where, you know, injury, brought me to atrophy considerably. And then all that went away. And I was like, what did I just do all that for? What was the intention there? And so I'm lately working with it on a different level and going, what am I really doing here? Okay. What I'm doing is yes, physical fitness, but I'm also trying to move the energy throughout my body. So subtle energetic body. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I'm trying to also tap into the causal body, which is the interconnectedness of all things. And so when you see me work out now, I'm probably looking like the crazy guy because I do <laughs>
0: Are you doing I some do, breathing, I, like heavy breathing? I do, or
1: like... I do breathing. I do Qigong. You know, I'll I'll say a mantra when I'm when I'm working out. And this is my latest curiosity is how can I make sure that that time that I'm using for my physical body is more than just trying to grow bigger biceps.
0: Like actually getting connected to self and Absolutely. connected to your... Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. So that's well, a really... That was a really good question. And I actually, yeah, resonated with that totally. My next question is more on a... Like, what are some of the issues that you see? This is totally kind of shifting gears a little bit, but it's one I want to touch on. What are some of the issues that you see on an organizational level that may perpetuate like the issues and struggles that these high performers face? That's completely shifting gears a little bit.
1: Yeah, no, that's a great. That's a great question. So uh, I recently worked with a company that has gone hybrid. Mm-hmm. After the after after the pandemic, like a lot of companies, they had to go remote, and then they realized, okay, actually, this saves us a lot of money, and so they started hiring remote, and the company is now hybrid, meaning they're ninety percent remote, and then they come for you know on-site meetings once in a while. But what what is often and, and there's a lot of companies I work or leaders at companies I work with where this is happening. One of the new nuances of working remotely is we're missing the water cooler conversations. And with high performers who are stretched for time, oftentimes the way in which they relate to their peers, to their managers, to their direct reports is efficient. And efficiency is the key value. And so it can feel very transactional. Mm. And so there's, there's, there isn't organizations are, ignoring a, a, a very important detail for positive culture growth at a company. And that's creating opportunity to actually relate as humans.
0: Mm-hmm. So the connection, there's like lack of, there's not a sense of connection anymore.
1: Quality connection. And it's very difficult because you don't want this to be a top-down organization like you're going to connect for 30 minutes. It's not it, but on a leader level, on a leader level level, helping helping to empower your leaders to build in quality time with your team. That's really, really, really key because what I'm noticing is, especially emerging leaders, they want to actually be seen and supported not as a role, but as someone who is currently in that role meaning they want their leaders to be more of mentors, to support them in their career growth, to hold them accountable to a high level of success, but in a way that they feel actually seen and not just a simple metric of did they do the job or not.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So more quality quality connection is the missing piece there. Quality connection
1: on a human level is really important. Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of companies are... are some companies are focusing in on that. We're seeing it to actually have a really, uh, I would say, a really high return of impact.
0: What's mm-hmm. also, yeah. yeah, it's interesting for me to know that now that I'm going into the corporate wellness space, some of these um, just issues, like on an organizational level, that yeah, is, well, it's, you
1: know, it's you'll, you'll see it when they do an on-site visit because you'll you actually get to see people for the first time. But what mm-hmm. ends up happening is this is any of those frustrations that one had felt with any of their peers
2: mm-hmm. or anyone
1: on the team that didn't get focused on because you know, you're know you on a Zoom for 30 minutes, then you can just sign off the Zoom.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You're on site and you're in there. That's where you start to feel the... the frustration that you had. And so what ends up happening a lot of times is you'll have kind of that same explosive reactivity that I talked about previously is people kind of come together and all of a sudden there's this cauldron of intensity and the company will just focus on, okay, now that we're here, let's talk about even more stressful things.
0: Rather than like allowing people to be seen and like talk about how everyone's feeling. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Mm -hmm. It's it's, it's cheesy in one way as that might sound. That's really important.
0: I mean, it makes sense for sure. I had an interview with um, actually a client of mine on you know, redefining leadership in the workplace. And she said that that was one of the core, like one of the most important things that she implemented was just really allowing for people to just vent, like whatever you're feeling, like a, a lot, to just, what are you feeling? And to express that and to have the safe container for people to just talk and feel seen, understood, all of that. Um, so yeah, it makes sense to me.
1: Yeah. And that's why I think coaching in the leadership space has grown considerably since 2020 is a lot of companies are now um, hiring coaches like myself to come in and work with leaders and be that space so that they can work through the nuances that occur in their day-to-day.
0: For sure. I think I think definitely since the pandemic, um, a lot of companies have leveled up in that way, like redefining leadership and kind of changing the dynamic in the workplace. I don't know if all companies, but this is what I've heard. So.
1: Yeah. And to be clear with you too, Stephanie, what's interesting about my line of work, and I love it, is I have my one-to-one clients, right? Mm -hmm. Probably similar to you as well, where I do the stuff that I've been talking to you about with the four directions and Mm -hmm. all of that. Uh, But I also am hired through uh, three companies. That they bring me into companies like Amazon, companies like J.P. Morgan, and I'll work with the leaders there. Right. I I feel very fortunate that I am brought into the I'm invited into these rooms to be able to work with these leaders in a way that uh, I don't know if I would necessarily be able to work with them because they're not they're not they're not intentionally setting out coaching themselves, but their company is bringing them coaching. Mm-hmm. Similar to you, I, I assume in the corporate wellness space. And it's a really powerful opportunity to I'm just getting
0: started putting Uh, the pitch deck together as we speak this week. It's
1: amazing. It's incredible. You know, oftentimes I find myself in rooms going, how did I get invited into this room? I feel so so fortunate. But I'm, you know, getting leaders to eye gaze with each other. I'm getting leaders to breathe. I'm getting leaders to tap into their body and go, what's going on there? What do you feel right now in your body? Let's slow down. Mm
0: -hmm, mm
1: -hmm. And it's a very, very powerful uh, experience.
0: I can imagine. I'm, I mean, I'm really excited to, yeah, to dive into this space. It's all new for me, but I just, yeah. I'm
2: happy for you. I'm happy I'm, for you. Yeah.
0: Working with groups. It's, it's definitely my calling. I think it's where I, it feels right. It feels in alignment. So we'll see, we'll see how that goes. Um, and my last question before we wrap this up is what are your, yeah. So what are your current coaching offerings? Just in case, you know, some of the listeners sure. might want to reach out to you? Uh, What are your current coaching offerings and what are you working on? And is there any upcoming like new ventures on the horizon? Maybe you can just (laughs) (laughs) give us some.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I, I, you know, I work with high performing men who are navigating great times of transition. Mm -hmm. And uh, every person, when they first come to work with me, they have to do what's called an insight session, which is a two hour session. And uh, oftentimes that's enough to really help one Uh, get clarity on what it is that they need to do. Mm -hmm. And then I provide some exercises for them to uh, do outside of the coaching to help them embody the change that they seek to make. Uh, And then I offer a three- or a six-month commitment after that if they'd like to. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then I'm currently working on a course called the Loyal Soldier Course, or at least that's the name that I'm using right now. Because what I am noticing, particularly in the executive world, is it's extremely powerful when a leader becomes aware of their protective system, which is something that I call the loyal soldier. I, I didn't come up with that term. It's it's a depth psychology term, but it's called the loyal soldier. And those are the parts of ourselves that come in whenever they sense any sort of danger. Mm-hmm. And so I can give an example of that if you'd like. But I'm working on a course right now because I want an asynchronous course that leaders can take to become more aware of their loyal soldier, their protective system, so that when they enter into that which scares them, they're able to take small steps into that cave of fear and really come out the other side and you know, be able to really embody the change that they seek to make.
0: That sounds really amazing. And also I know that uh, you're also, you have meditations on Insight Timer as well, right?
1: I do. You know, what's so interesting, Stephanie, about this world is... So I'm 38 right now. And I started creating content, started coaching when I was 25, I think. Wow. So it's been a while. It's been a while. And I started creating content with Insight Timer when they were a new brand new company. They reached out to me and I slowly started creating meditations for them. I have a course on there on manifestation, which we haven't even talked about, but that's yeah. a whole whole another conversation that I'm happy to-
0: We could to do another follow-up interview. A, a yeah.
1: powerful practice that often gets misconstrued in popular media. Uh, but yeah, I have my meditations on Insight Timer. You're welcome to check them out. They've been there for a while. I'll be putting up some new ones as well. Uh, I created a new course last year called Take Back Your Mind to help people- uh, Take back their mind when their digital distractions tend to <laughs> try to take them from Overload. us. Yeah, yeah.
0: I will definitely check out one of your meditations. You have a great voice. So sure.
1: thank you. Thank you. Great. I appreciate that.
0: Thank you so much for joining me today. This was a very eye-opening conversation, I have to say. I got Ooh. a lot out of it. Um
1: it big term though. You gotta give me some clarity. What does <laughs> eye open mean to you?
0: Yeah, like the I guess I wasn't sure. Because this is a new conversation and I've never had a conversation with a coach that because a transformational coach that goes into corporations and works with male leaders on this level. And I guess the type of, yeah, like the way that you coach is very unique. I think it's really powerful and unique. And I, I learned a lot like about the four, the four, the map. What do you, what do you call it? Direction. The map?
1: The four directions. Yeah. The
0: four directions. Yeah. It's really, it's really cool.
1: I can't tell you how much, how fun it is to be able to get a whole room of executives up on the dance floor, dancing to some music and embodying their wild one. It is a powerful, powerful... They world. actually they do that? Uh, I've never done it in person yet. I do it on Zoom all the time.
0: And they actually get up on their tables and chairs and start... <laughs>
1: Well, they're welcome to turn their cameras off. Most times I lead them on. But yeah, I put on some music and I say, okay, let's take this feeling right now and let's dance with it for a little while. And let's come back and let's talk about what showed up. And oftentimes, yeah, people come back, they go, that was the most uncomfortable thing I have ever done. And I go, great.
0: You're like, that's what we need.
1: Let's talk, what was uncomfortable about it? What did you feel? And, and through that conversation increases their ability to be seen because they're increasing their authenticity and when you increase your authenticity it's an elixir it's so powerful
0: i love that thank yeah thank you so much this was yeah this was a great powerful conversation and i'm sure our listeners got a lot out of this as well and um yeah grateful really grateful to have you on today it was amazing Thank you.
1: Thank you so much, Stephanie. I really appreciate you inviting me onto your show.
0: Thank you so much. And once again, you are listening to the Sculpture Life podcast. If you love this episode, you can share it with a friend, family, or co-worker, and I'll be back next week with our next guest.